All right, listen, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Joel, Old Testament book of Joel. And we, again, there's a handout at the end of service, if I forget to mention it today. There's a handout available. It's going to be in the back. And last Sunday we ran out, so I made 100 copies this Sunday. So if you want a copy, we're talking about end times. And the book of Joel, we only have four weeks in the book of Joel. We really need four years in the book of Joel. Maybe not four years, but we need a long time. But we don't have the time for this. We're actually going to be going into the book of Joel, uh, finishing the book of Joel. We're going to get into the time of our blessed Lord's resurrection there at Easter. We'll get into the Easter season just for a couple weeks. And then we're going to launch into Revelation. We're going to get a look at end times and why do we even need to know it? Some people say, well, I'm a Christian and I'm good to go. Well, good for you. You are good to go if you're a Christian today. If you've given your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you're sealed into the day of redemption. And we've done it many times. My hands are too weak now, but I used to have pretty strong hands, and I would let children or even teenagers try to open my hand, and they struggle. You, and if you had somebody with really strong grip, you would struggle to open their hands. You might pry it open with your hands, but the Lord's very clear. What can take you from the hand of God once you're saved? The answer is what? Nothing. You might open a man's hand, but there's no way little you, feeble you, can open the hands of God to take away someone's salvation. Somebody asked, well, can suicide, I heard growing up that if you commit suicide, you're going to hell and your salvation's lost. Can anything take you from the hand of God? No, no matter what church tradition tells you. Why do we tell, and why we don't as Baptists, as Christians, but why is that told that if you commit suicide, you go to hell? It's just an awful way to prevent people from committing suicide. Suicide self-murder, it is murder. You are going to be held accountable for it. But you can't lose your salvation because of it. There's nothing that you can do if you're saved. Or, as a matter of fact, this is a big, bold speech this morning. There's nothing God can do to unsave you. Because God will never change his nature. When he makes a promise that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have what, church? How long is everlasting life? Forever. So that promise is a commitment. Aren't you glad that we have a Savior who can keep us in those good times and we can praise him and say how good he is. But he's also that Savior when we start having doubt, when we worry, when we stress, when the financial bottom falls out, when we're overloaded. Aren't you glad that we serve a God today that says, I'll keep you and never leave you nor forsake you. Aren't you, aren't you glad of that this morning? Let's give him a hand clap of praise because he's that good of God. The book of Joel is something very important because Joel opens the door. He's the latch key, if you will, to open the door to prophecy. Joel's going to look back, and I'll mention this in your notes. He's going to look here and say, you see this plague of locusts, the crawling locusts, the, the creeping locusts, the flying locusts. Everything in this land has been devoured. And the people could say, amen, we've seen it all. It's just a messy, messy mess. There's no food. There's even no worship. And that's what Joel was getting to. You've lost your worship. We talked about destructive worship, destructive dead worship last week. Because people had got so complacent with God's goodness that they refused to worship him in spirit and truth, or in their case, in sacrifice and offerings. Uh, they have, in Old Testament, they had to bring their gifts to the Lord. And what happened? People got lazy. Is that happening today in our worship? Church attendance? Give us one good plague and we'll be where? Lowe's, Walmart, Chick-fil-A, and other places, but we'll, we'll be at home. Give us coronavirus, and what will we do? What's the next plague that comes by? Strep throat's going down right now. Do y'all know that? Strep throat's happening today. Did y'all know that? Pink eyes on the rise. Don't look around. Look around your neighbor. They might have it right now, sitting in your same seat. And what happens is, if you start thinking about all the things that could go wrong today, 
Did you drive here today? Have you read the stats of wrecking your car and dying in a car accident? Anybody have a heart in the room today? Yeah, the possibility of that stopping. So we could, we could always guess or we can always be fearful of things, but God is on his throne. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That was a promise from our Lord God. All right? So when we get into today's message, listen, everybody feel like you have a pretty strong heart today? Good. You're going to need one for this message, okay? What if the Lord Jesus Christ comes back during this service today? If you're a Christian, you say amen. If you're not a Christian, though, you say, well, I, I'm good, I'm religious, I'm filling the blank. You're going to say, oh, me, and you're going to wonder where everybody went. You're going to look to your left and to your right, and you'll definitely look in this pulpit. Uh, there'll be a pair of pants and some shoes and some stuff left over here, whatever trays put in my mouth. Uh, that will be left up here. Uh, there's some stuff, and, and the doctor, the heart doctor, there's some, whatever Zeus produces back there, uh, Adrian, it'll be left up here. I won't be here because the Bible says, listen, we're going to read the scripture in just a minute in the scripture. He's going to snatch us away. It's going to be a taking away that's happening. And that's what's on the, obviously, the notes, the handouts is talking about the rapture and end time. Well, look at your notes, and then let me go back to the Bible, okay? So the shofar. Shofar, is, I gave you the definition there. The horn of an animal, usually a ram, blown as a trumpet by the ancient Hebrews in battle and during religious observances, used in the modern Judaism, especially during Rosh Hashanah, that's Jewish New Year, and the in the uh, Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement, which we know from the Old Testament. And I should have gave that reference. I'll have to give that reference to you next week. I always reference my notes when I use someone else's notes as best I can. That's from Webster's Dictionary, by the way. That's where I got that. So the Day of Atonement is there's a call out from the, from the ram's horn. And how many of you have ever experienced the sound of a shofar or a ram's horn, a loud horn? And what happens is the Bible relates that to the end times. We'll talk about this in just a moment. That the trump of God's going to shout. Now, i got to tell you, the, the people of Israel had a horn. The church of God does not have a horn. What are we going to hear? The voice of what's going to sound like an archangel. We're going to hear the very voice of Christ himself. So get ready. It might sound like a shofar, but here's the go. Watch this. Let's read the first uh, note here, and then we'll get into the passage. The shofar was commanded by God to be the instrument to alert the children of, God, of Israel to get ready to move. You can look that up in Numbers 10, and that was a very specific part that God gave to Moses, this is what you do. You make these silver horns, and you actually blow the trumpet. And every time they were to pack up the tabernacle and leave, that's what they were supposed to do. Joel understands that. Go now, go to the scripture. Joel in chapter 2, let's read together. Joel chapter 2, beginning of verse 1. He says to this, Blow the trumpet, or blow the shofar in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all of the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand. A day of darkness and gloominess, a days of clouds and thick darkness, like the morning clouds spread over the mountains. A people come, or your Bible might say a people, because the italics there is not in the original. Great and strong, the like of whom has never been, nor will there be any other such after them, even for many successive generations. Verse 3, a fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness. Surely nothing shall escape them. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses, and they like swift steeds, so they run. With a noise like chariots over mountaintops, they leap, like the noise of a flaming fire that devours the stubble, like a strong people set in battle array. Before them the people rise in pain, 
all faces are drained of color, or your Bible might say their faces are black like smut, like they've been into a fire. They run like mighty men. They climb the wall like men of war. Everyone marches in formation, and they do not break ranks. They do not push one another. Everyone marches in his own column. Though they lunge between the weapons, they are not cut down. They run to and fro in the city. They run on the wall. They climb into the houses. They enter into they enter at the windows like a thief. The earth quakes before them. The heavens tremble. The sun and moon grow dark, and the stars diminish their brightness. The Lord gives voice before his army, for his camp is very great. For strong is the one who executes his word. For the Lord, for the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? That's a question. Many times we get into a message like this, you go, whoa, that's pretty heavy lifting. And it is, because Joel is talking about, he looks back at the plague of locusts. He said, look, just like this locust, God sent it as a warning. He sent a plague of locusts to attack the land, and there's nothing left. Starvation's in the front of us. There's these awful things that happen to us as a people. But then he looks all the way, even past our generation, and says, but there's a time coming. There's a day not even equivalent to this day. There's a time coming that's going to be so awful. The sun's going to go dark. The moon's going to go dark. There's going to be this invasion that's coming to the land. And the invasion's going to happen for all nations. It's not just Israel, even though Israel is very much spotlighted in this. And don't say nations because sometimes it's easy to talk about the global situation. Talk about your house. Talk about your address. It's coming to your zip code. It's coming to your address. It's coming to you if you're not a Christian today. And the wrath of God, listen, is something heavy. The God's warning here, some thousand, a couple thousand years before it even happens, and even we don't know how much longer he tarries, but it's coming. Did Jesus come to this earth at Christmas? Do we really truly believe that Jesus came to this earth as we celebrate at Christmas? Do we believe that? We don't know he came at Christmas, but do we celebrate that? Do we believe that? That God... Emmanuel came to earth to be with us. Do we believe what we're getting ready to celebrate at Easter that God himself died on a cruel cross so that he might make payment for our sin that whosoever calls on his name shall be what, church? Saved. Why is this such a hard message of redemption for us to receive and believe? Do you know why it is? Do you know why people have a struggle with receiving this message? It's because we, like the people of Israel, love our sins. We like it our way. We want to do it our way. Me first, God, and then I'll come to church. Me first, God, then I'll come to Christ. Me first, God, then I might serve my neighbor. It's always me, me, me. We get the trinity of me in the way of the trinity of God. Me, myself, and I always get in the way of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit 100% of the time. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5 and 6 that we war against the Spirit. Even if those of us that are Christians, we want it our way. And we say, God, well, if why don't you just change this? And God is not in the business of changing his word. Think of what a, what a terrible God we would serve if he would constantly say, oh, that guy's pretty smart. She's pretty smart. Let me just write that in. Let me add that into the text. When somebody has a prophetic word today, oh, let me write that in. How thick would the book be if we wrote in everybody's prophecies today? John said there were so many things that Jesus said and done that not even the world, if he wrote everything down, the world could contain it. What about today? All the men that stand in pulpits and all the people that stand on street corners that teach messages that says, listen, oh, this is true, Joel is true, but there's a way of escape. Every time we talk about liberal theologians, all that means is somebody who don't believe the Bible. 
if you find yourself to be a liberal theologian today, all you're saying is, I know God said it, but I'm not sure that's 100% right. That could have been an allegory. That could have been something that, oh, that was just something. And you've had preachers that teach. They get up, and they give you this nice message. And I've had those in my life. And they just said, listen, God is good all the time. Love him. Aren't you loved by God? Now go and have a great day. God loves you. That's a true statement. God does love you. But listen, if we cannot, we cannot preach a God of love and then a God of wrath without believing he's both. His love is holy. His wrath is holy. His anger is holy. His hatred is holy. You say, well, I can't understand that. And you can't. You never will because we are not God. We are sinful men, sinful women, and we understand good, bad. We say we love pizza, we love grandma, and we love God with all the same word. But what do we really truly mean? What does God mean to us? That God is love. Well, look, what Joel's getting us ready, and I want you to see this. The, the shofar that, was, that he said in verse 1, blow the trumpet by God the, to the instrument to alert the children of Israel. Let's get ready to move. But here's the note you need to know as well. It's time for the church to be ready. Amen? Are you ready, church? The horn could blow at any moment. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Let me show you what's coming for us. And I want you to hear, obviously, what it could sound like, even though it's going to be the voice of the Lord. Listen, turn your ears. Somebody, was that too loud for your ears? It's going to be louder than that when the Lord comes. You better be ready to go up because you hear that sound, the voice of an archangel, the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's taking us up, church, and we're going. If you're still here or if you're not sure, listen, you're going to be sitting right here wondering, where's everybody at? You'll hear an probably something that the aliens took over, and they have snatched bodies all over the world, and there's always missing people. And it's not going to be aliens, and it's not going to be an unidentified flying object. It's going to be the Lord Jesus Christ calling, come up. And when he cries out with a loud voice, come up, guess what you're going to do? Hmm, I still got to go to the gym in just a few minutes. Or hey, You're coming up when he says, come up. But if you're not 100% sure of your salvation, guess what you're going to do? He's not going to go, oh, sweetheart, I'm so, so sorry you worried about that. Let me, let me fix that for you. Jesus says today in his word, today is the day of salvation. You will receive him or you will reject him today. Even the religious rulers of his day, Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil. Charles Stanley, I was listening to a couple weeks ago, he said, you only got one of two daddies. Either God's your father or the devil's your daddy. There's no way to slice it in between. There is no in between. And we must decide today when you hear this message that Jesus loves you and wants you to have a personal love relationship with you. The Jesus we just sang to and about. He's extending an invitation for you to receive him as your personal Lord and Savior so that you could be with him forever and evermore. And when he gave us the Great Commission, he says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That's Matthew 28, 20. But those of you that listen that have never given your heart life to Jesus Christ, you playing games with God because you're too embarrassed or you're too sophisticated or your socioeconomic status is too great, listen, you're going to be left behind. And then first and second Thessalonians, if you read a close reading, once you've heard the gospel, and you have, if you've been in this church more than one time, you've heard the gospel, how to be saved, you're going to be left behind. The Bible said God's going to give you over to a mind that's actually partly cloudy. You won't ever see the sun, S-O-N, of God again, except 
at judgment, at the great white throne judgment. He will not allow you to reject him now and then receive him when you go, oh, no, everything's falling apart in the tribulation period. You won't have that choice. You will believe the Antichrist. You will die, and you will go to hell. Amen? You don't have to like that. I don't like it. I, I have family and friends who aren't Christians. But it's the truth from the word of God. Let's get in, if you would, and let's look at First Thessalonians chapter 4. Go with me back there. So we're going to try to tie in because remember Joel looked down the history lane. He saw this these days coming. Paul compliments Joel. John compliments Joel. All the prophets compliment one another. First Thessalonians chapter 4. If you're there, say amen. Verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. That's us, Christians. And listen, if you're not a Christian, you need to listen about what the brethren are talking about, okay? We're going to give you a top secret clearance to get on the inside of what the brothers and the sisters are talking about. That's me, and that's those that are saved. This is what we're talking about, and this is what Paul is talking about. I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, sisters, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. And that's you if you're not a Christian today. You have zero hope that you're going to heaven. You have no hope of today. You hope you can make enough money in overtime. You hope somebody dies and leaves you a lot of money, but your hope is a false hope. You have no hope of eternity because, listen, you don't deserve one, and God promised you you don't have one. You're going to be eternally separated. This is the day, and that's why this sermon series is called Escaping God's Wrath. We're trying to tell you what God says to get out of it. Don't face his wrath alone. He's already put his wrath on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's paid your debt. Say that with me. He's paid my debt. Say it louder. He's paid my debt. He's paid your debt in full. And all you have to do is receive the gift saying, Lord, I receive what you've done for me. I don't fully understand it. i got to give up all my junk. And by the way, if somebody says, just come to Jesus, it's all going to be good. They're lying. You need to check their salvation. It's the hardest thing I've ever done is when I became a Christian because, listen, now the devil and the world system and your own flesh wants the war against you. And when God says, don't, my spirit says, I am going to. And the Lord says, listen, do this, and I'm not going to do that. The Bible says I war against the spirit myself, even after I'm a Christian. It doesn't make any sense, does it? Why didn't God just save us and kill us, right? Save dead, save dead, save dead. Sometimes we wish that was the easier way. But he wants us here to give his word out. We must read his word and give his word away. Let's continue. Because Paul talks about it, he continues to talk about it here to the church of Thessalonica and to the church of Corinth. Verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. That's your brothers and sisters. That's your family who have died before you. Verse 15, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. This is the ones who've died. They get to go first. They're front of the line privileges here. Here we go. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise. What, church? Who's going to rise first? Our brothers and sisters who went before us. This is of the people that are saved. Verse 17, we're not left behind. There's no, listen, oh no, I got to get second to go to heaven. Are you excited about that? I don't care what line I'm in. I'm, if I'm going to heaven and I know that I am, I don't care if I'm first, second, third, fourth, or fifth. Are you? I, who's counting? I'll wait my time. But listen, I don't have to wait. The dead in Christ are resurrected first. And then verse 17, and here's the good news. Then we who are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. What should we do? Verse 18, therefore, what should we do, church? Comfort one another with these words. 
He shouldn't be afraid of the end times. He shouldn't be afraid of this message in the book of Joel. You should be fearful for your friends and your family members and your enemies who are lost. But guess what that should do is make you get on your knees and pray to God, save my fill in the blank. If you're saved, you should be going before the Lord on a regular basis, knocking on his door. He says to ask, seek, and knock. It's what Jesus himself said. You don't have because you don't ask. And sometimes we get, well, he's not listening to me. Is God listening to you all the time? Does God hear your prayers? Yes, if you're a Christian today, here's your prayers. If you're not a Christian, the only prayer he first hears, you can say words. Obviously, he's not deaf. He hears you speaking. But he would not allow you into his throne room because he's a God who hears his people. How, how do we know that? He says, I'm the good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice. And what does he hear in return? Our voice. Or even if we just cry can't say a word, he hears what we're thinking. He knows our thoughts from afar, the Bible says. Our sitting down, our lying down, our going to and fro. He knows every single thing about you and me. He created us. And yet, he died on the cross for us. Could you imagine dying for yourself? Your sorry old self, my sorry old self. Can you imagine dying for me? Not in a million years, right? But the Lord Jesus Christ, who knew who we were on the inside and out, loved us enough to die on the cross for our sins. That's for everybody. The dirtiest to the cleanest. Amen? No matter where we're from, that's who did that for us. The Lord Jesus Christ. Well, go to your notes. I want you to see this because I need to go through quickly. Sorry. I digress quickly because there's so much here. Look at your notes. Although we do not completely understand all future prophecies, God, through his prophets, promised the day of the Lord is coming. Did God promise the day of the Lord is coming? Yes, he did. And I even put in your notes, this is from J. Vernon McGee. He says, it's mentioned 75 times in the Bible that the day of the Lord is coming. If the Lord says it one time, you should believe it. If he says it a second time, guess what? You should believe it. If he says it 75 times, what do you think he's trying to tell you and me today, brothers and sisters? Get ready because the day of the Lord is coming. Amen? He said, well, I'm ready, Pastor. You no, you're not. You need a list of people with you. You're ready to go yourself. But how about your family? How about your friends? How about your coworkers? Are they ready to go? You say, well, I'm not responsible for them. Yes, you are. Have you told them about Jesus? Have you told them how much he loves them? Well, Pastor, if I say that, I'm embarrassed. They'll make fun of me. I might get fired. You might get fired. So what? You serve the God of all creation. You serve the God who says, go and make disciples of all nations. And it's here in America. And that's around the world. You're to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're to teach them everything I've taught you. And remember, I'm with you always till the end of the age. Who goes with you to work tomorrow or today? Who came to church with you today? Who goes with you to bed tonight? Who goes to that movie that you shouldn't be watching this week? That's part of our problem. We still like to play in the sin world in the old man instead of the new creation that God's made us to be. We must be disciplined that we want to be holy like he's holy. The Lord promised the day of the Lord's coming, and it is coming. And I put a note in there, the day of the Lord is a period of time, not just a 24-hour period. So it's not just a, a day, like it happened. It's not a 2011. It's not a World Trade Center day. It's an extended period of time that's happening. It's going to start with the church being snatched up and out, and then tribulation starts. And then three and a half years in, the great tribulation starts. And it's going to be a, what Mike read in there in Revelation this morning. Y'all, you need to take that to heart and read it. This is going to be bad for those who are left here. You say, well, I'm in heaven. I don't care. 
Something's wrong with your heart. You should even care about your enemies. Those that you can't stand on this earth, you should care so much that you don't want even your enemies to go to hell, let alone your family and friends, let alone your coworkers, let alone your professors, those who don't believe, those atheists out there that self-proclaim. We should want it so bad. Listen, I want everyone to come to the saving knowledge. Chris read it this morning before we, we actually started uh, worship practice this morning, before they started that God wants us to be saved. Hell was created, Jesus said, for the devil and his angels. That's who is supposed to go there. If you go there, it's because you choose to go there. Because you had so much pride or you had so much sin that you couldn't back off and say, if I tell everybody now I'm not a Christian, everybody's going to make fun of My mom and daddy think I am. Does you think your mom and daddy's going to get upset with you if you tell them you've never given your life to Christ and you finally made a decision to follow Christ? Son, daughter, I, you've been a saved for all these years. What's wrong with you? A Baptist preacher persuaded you, didn't he? If I persuade you and can talk you into it, then doggone it, or somebody else can talk you out of it. Amen? But if the Holy Spirit convicts you to your heart and you say, listen, I'm lost and I'm done without Christ. I know I'm going to hell if I die. Listen, if the Spirit convicts you, say yes to Jesus. And when you say yes to Jesus, you don't care who's looking. You don't care who knows. You know that you're born again, and now you're in the inside. You know you're one of the brethren. You're one of the sisters. You know, listen, he's my king. He's my father. And I don't care who knows. As a matter of fact, I'm going to start telling it on the street corners. I'm going to start telling it on Facebook. I'm going to start texting it. I'm going to tell the whole world until he comes, he's coming for me. Amen? Yes, he's coming for the church, but he's coming for me. I brag on Jesus and he alone because we bring nothing to the table. You and me have nothing to give. Well, look, he said that God has warned that the day of the Lord is at hand. He means the time is near and close. And that's been a couple thousand years ago. Peter kind of summarized that for us going, hey, listen, just so you know, a thousand years is like one day with God. So if it's been 3,000 years ago, how long has God been waiting for this to happen? Three days. Three days. Is that a long time? Not with God. If a thousand years, and this, it's not a true equivalence, don't say, well, see, it's, there was 7,000 years of creation because one day was set a thousand years. That's what people try to explain. The liberal theologians, the ones who don't want to follow God, want to use the math in their favor when they don't want to believe him and use the math in their favor when they don't want to believe him. Do you understand? If he said he made it in six days, on the seventh day he rested, take a guess what God did. He said it twice. And if he says the day of the Lord is coming, guess what is happening? The day of the Lord is coming. He promised it's happening. So therefore, church, it's happening. We don't have a choice. We can't pray against it because we would pray against the very nature of God. And God never changes, the Bible says. He never relents. He is immutable. He's unchangeable. As he preached, the prophet Joel looked away from the locust plague and he looked closer toward the great tribulation period. He didn't understand all of this. And his army that comes, some preachers preach it's an army of angels, potentially. Some already is diagnosed later on it's Russia and China. I don't, I don't have a full understanding. I know the armies, the names that are used in the Bible, that describes it. Amos talks about it. Uh, the other prophets talk about it. I'm not even sure all these soldiers are marching in line, even though weapons come at them. They avoid the weapons, and they stay in line. They crawl the windows. They come up the housetops. You read it with me. They just, they invade everywhere. You want to see something that really blow your mind? Look at the, the new robots. Look at the artificial intelligence. 
Look up a robot if you ever take if you're interested at all. Look up the robot Leonardo. It's a moving drone that flies. He'll just step off the stage, and he'll continue to fly. He can walk up the wall. He can come in a window. Uh, America, look at that's another robot. The, remember the iRobot movie that Will Smith was in? How they had the army of robots? Those robots now are reality. Look and see. It'll blow your mind. And look at the actual artillery and, and the military robots now. You can kick them, knock them down. They can actually shoot and skip a human. You program them who they want to get. And they can mass produce them now. So it's amazing. Robots can jump across the stage. I don't know if it's robots involved. and I don't even care because I won't be here for it. My job is to warn you that the Lord has warned us, that the prophet Joel has warned us. Don't be a part of it because it's going to be a day of dread. It's going to be a dark and awful day. Don't be there during this time. Don't be there for the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord will be a time of separation for the righteous and judgment for the unrighteous. It is going to be a dark and dreadful time for the unrighteous. Amos tells us the story there. Daniel tells us what happens there in Daniel 12. And as the future of instruments of God's judgment, there is hope. Isn't that good news that God slides hope in all this darkness? Next week's message is going to be a little more hopeful than this week. The church will be raptured. That means taken up prior to the tribulation time. Beginning, I should have put there instead of will begin. People will be saved during the tribulation. Did you know that? If, you're, if you've heard the gospel now, you're going to have a hard heart then. You won't be saved. But there are people who don't go to church. How many people are laying out of church today? This next generation is unchurched, is it not? And the church is lazy as all get out. Is that true? No one wants to amen it because we're talking about ourselves and our loved ones. You got people not attending church, never set foot in the church, never heard the gospel message before. And then you got those people that grandmas keep begging, please come to church, please come to church, please come to church, please receive Christ. And they never share the gospel. Those people will have opportunity to receive Christ in the tribulation period. You say, well, how do you believe that? Read First and Second Thessalonians for yourself. And even Revelation, I'm going to read the tribulation saints say, listen, how long, O Lord, will you wait to avenge our death? That's the tribulation saints, those who are around the altar. So they're standing there, and it talks about them being tribulation saints. So if you've heard the truth now, Jesus comes tomorrow, you're gone forever to hell. But if you've not heard the gospel today, and you say, wait a minute, something's happened. You can, everybody's going to know the world's falling apart. Planes are going to crash. Buses are going to crash. Now, computers, AI might keep things going now because we used to think planes were just going to fall out of the sky. But now with artificial intelligence, planes can land themselves. They can take off. Cars can, there are going to be autonomous cars coming up. Look at what's happening. It's happening quick. You can stick your head in the sand and think the time is not coming, but I'm telling you, the day is near. The day's here. And it's at hand, the Lord Jesus Christ says. Well, these future instruments of God's judgment, when they do come, there is hope because the church is taken up prior to the tribulation. People will be saved during the tribulation. You can look at 1 Thessalonians. Matter of fact, let's read it really quick. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So you need to leave here with some hope today. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And let me just read verses 9 and 10. That's not in your notes. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 9 and 10. When you're there, say amen. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we are awake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, what should we do, church? Comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. Continue to encourage each other. Listen, Jesus is going to take us from this time of wrath. It's not going to happen to us. We're going to see all the bad days. Listen, it's getting bad. Would you agree? 
It's going to get worse, would you agree? Right up to the time that it's church out, Antichrist on the scene, and the seven years of tribulation begin. And then three and a half years in, the great tribulation goes full throttle. And listen, there's no, you're not going to be saved if you've heard the message before the tribulation. The prophet Joel was prepared, prepared the time for the apostle John to affirm this terrible time, Revelation 9. You can read that for yourself. And listen, last, last point. Joel is clear. No one can stand against the day of the Lord. Church, who can stand against the day of the Lord? Say it louder. Who can stand against the day of the Lord? Not you, not your cousin, not a strong man, not a weak man, not a weak woman, strong woman. No one can stand against the day of the Lord. It is coming. And the Lord says, it is at hand. Prepare yourself for this time. God called and continues to call his people to repent and prepare. We repent today. How do we, we don't have to go make a sacrifice offering of a lamb or a cow or a bird. We can come today and hit our knees, even in our tough times as Christians. We can say, God, I am sorry for my sins. I am sorry for what I've done this week. I'm sorry what I said. And the devil says, don't pray that prayer. You know you're no good. You know the devil, you know that God's not going to hear you. He's mad at you. Can I tell you this morning? God's not mad at you. God loves you. And that's why he extends this invitation of grace. Don't go there. This, uh, yesterday I was going to try to get out of here and go to Greenville to see my grandkids. Everywhere I went, I came over to the church real quick, spent a little bit of time, went to say, get back by nine, driving back. Guess what? There's detour signs. People running 10 miles. They can't run around the tracks that we built. They run all through the city. And every, every time I turn, I get stopped. Detour signs, police cars turn around, go back down the next street. Detour signs, come back out. Go down all the way to the south boundary. Detour signs. Wait, 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 don't pass. There's people running. Y'all could imagine how I felt. We have city parks for that. Just run 10 times around the park. All right? I, I even said something to my family in the car. But what did I do? I detoured every time it says there's something ahead that's going to cause potentially an accident. Would I be happy if I ran over a runner yesterday? No, I wouldn't be here today. I'd be in handcuffs, right, arrested because I was angry, run through the crowd. Just like that, the Lord's saying, listen, there's a detour. Turn around. If you're not a Christian today, he's saying, repent. Turn around from your sins and come to Jesus before it's too late. And if you are a Christian today, he's saying the same thing to us. Repent. Listen, you're not going to be saved again, but you can be cleaned up and taken and put back on the right path so you might be an instrument of righteousness for his namesake. That's what he says, isn't it? When Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and then he talks about himself, then he says to his disciples, you are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and bring glory to your Father who is in heaven. You can't shine your light if you're constantly covering it with sin. If you're hiding it saying, I'm embarrassed or I'm, I don't know what to do. Listen, yes, you do know what to do. You must go and preach. You must go and teach here in Aiken and beyond as God gives us opportunity. Go in as an ambassador for Christ. Paul says we are Christ's ambassadors preaching a message of reconciliation, taking God's hands, as it were, and the hands of your lost friends and bringing them together and saying, listen, meet Jesus. Meet Jesus. And when you meet Jesus in the city, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Not that you won't have hard times. Not that people won't sin against you. Not that you're going to actually have a difficult days ahead, but you're going to walk with him daily, and he'll meet every need that you have because he's your God and you're his child. Isn't that good news today?
There's some scary news of Joel's preaching is coming, bad judgment, right? A warning. There's also that good news. When the bad comes, guess what? The good shepherd comes for his sheep. We're looking forward to the day, and it could be today. There's nothing else that has to happen before the Lord comes back. I do have those handouts for you. I want you to read that if you're interested at all and study that because we can't preach all of it in this short time frame. But I want you to have a heart that loves the Lord and says, listen, I don't fully understand the Lord, but day by day I'll learn a little bit more and a little bit more. And every time you learn something, guess what you got to do? you got to give it away. That's why teachers teach, coaches coach, preachers preach, so that we might be better at whatever we're called to do. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that you are God. Lord, even when we don't understand or don't like it or don't, under, or, or don't, don't know, Lord, what the next passage says, Lord, help us continue to read, stop, share what we know, and respond to what you've said. Let us listen intently to the Spirit as you call us to, to repentance. Unbelievers, to give their heart and life to Jesus Christ. Because, Lord, you are a holy God, but you're a God of wrath as well. You will bring judgment because you have promised you will bring judgment on those who reject your son, Jesus Christ. Oh, Father, would you just change the hearts of those people that are far from you? Father, we as Christians, those maybe that have been hurt in the church or by family or somewhere in the world, someone that said they were a Christian hurt us or just because we're lazy or whatever the reason, Lord, help us to repent. As First John tells us, John wrote, if, if we confess our sins, you are faithful to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, let revival begin in the house of God. Let spiritual awakening begin in the house of God. And Lord, let us go forward in Jesus' name preaching. Listen, there is a day of trouble coming. It's called the day of the Lord. There is a time for Christians to be snatched away. There are people going to be left behind. Let us teach our children and our children's children and our children's children and their children. God, help us because... We are simple people, and your word is true. In Jesus' name we pray. For the Lord's sake, amen. Church, this morning as we stand together, we're going to give an invitation for all of us to stand together. We invite you to come if you want to come give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Let today be the day that you say, Lord, I do not want to face that terrible day. I want you as my Lord and Savior. Me and Mr. Mike will help you how to do it. And we'll just pray together. It's simple. But also if you come and say, listen, I'm a Christian, but I've been so lazy, so apathetic that no one can know that I'm a Christian around me. Listen, that's what this altar is for. You can pray together with somebody or pray right where you are and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? Give me a fresh start today. And the Bible says he will forgive you if you ask. He will not forgive you if you do not ask. You must ask him. You say, why? Because he's God and he said so. You're not. But you've got to get right with him one way or the other. Or you're going to get wrong with him because that's how you were born. And you're never going to be right with him if you leave this world separated from Jesus Christ. Ever. He'll be your judge, not your Savior. You come today if you need to pray. You come if you need to talk, want us to pray with you. We invite you to come as we sing together.